Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Them, set them by somebody that's emitting heat. And that may help a little bit. Amen. That may help a little bit. Amen. Genesis chapter number 4 and verse number 25. The Bible says, And Adam, Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, <clears throat> for God said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. I'm going to just talk to us this morning very simply on this subject. Call on me. Call on me. Let's pray today. Father, I come to you this morning. Thankful, Lord Jesus, for uh, the awe, the privilege, Lord, to be here. God, allowing us, God, the roads and the weather, God, to be able to be in the house of the Lord today. God, so thankful, God, for that. God, I'm appreciative, Lord, of you people, God, that so, Lord, diligently come and give of their time and their attention to the things of God. Lord, I know, Lord, that they'll be blessed. God, in doing so and in that regard, I pray, Lord, you touch our minds today. Help us, Lord, to be able to cry out, God, and call, Lord Jesus, to you. We know, God, that you'll answer and you'll help us, God, during these times, Lord Jesus, of life. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As the story, as the story here in uh, the beginning of the book, the first book of the Bible goes, we understand and maybe some understand and I don't want to uh, second guess that just maybe everybody does understand so I'll explain the first family that was formed by the hand of God Adam and Eve understanding that they uh, transgressed in the garden and as a result of that they were set outside of the garden there was an angel there to guard it with a flaming sword and the Bible speaks that they had a couple sons Cain and Abel uh, there became some jealousy between Cain and Abel. Abel brought a sacrifice and Cain brought his as well and Abel's was, was found favorable in the eyes of God. And as a result of that, uh, Cain's was not and Cain was jealous of his brother as a result of this. One day whenever they were in the field, he, he murdered his brother and took his life, which is quite a thing within itself whenever you consider that Cain did not have any history to look back on of any other individual having ever murdered anybody. This was probably the first, the most vicious of all murders in all of history because he didn't even have a precedent to go off of. Uh, he didn't have no serial killers to study, but he, he by his jealousy, drove him uh, to murder. And uh, that's probably one reason why the Bible speaks of in New Testament Scripture when Jesus is speaking that if a person is angry or, or even angry of someone that he even accounts it as murder because that jealousy and anger can lead to that as it did with the first family. But as a result of this, uh, Cain then was the only child of Adam and Eve that is alive. 
And the Bible says that he departed and left the presence of the Lord. Probably some of the saddest words in scriptures uh, that are spoken, not only there but other places when someone uh, with, 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 uh, with understanding, knowing what they are doing, consciously leaving the presence of the Lord. And that's what Cain did. And he was a fugitive and a vagabond going from place to place. And there was going to be a group of people that would be reared from his portion of the family tree uh, that were going to be somewhat uh, wicked people, self-sufficient people, people that were uh, independent of God, not needing God, so to speak. At least that is the facade that they would put up. We don't need God. We still meet people. We still meet some of Cain's family today. <laughs> don't need God. Uh, but the reality is we all need the Lord. But nevertheless, as a result of this, though, God allowed Adam and Eve to conceive again, to have yet another child. And as it would go, it seems as though that Seth would, or Seth, the other child that was given them, would be in a substitute instead of Abel, the child that they have lost uh, due to this murder and due to this jealousy that happened in their family. And so uh, Seth was born, and then as the cycle of life happens, he would have a son as well, and his name was called Enos. And the Bible puts in this little footnote in the Scripture for us that whenever Enos was born, then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. I mean, life was as normal, I guess, as life could be up into this point of time. At some point, for some reason, men and women began to call out to God, call on the name of the Lord. And folks, if you could, and I hope we'll understand before this is done today, understand what an influence that statement there has had on the rest of us in humanity, or at least should have, that somewhere in a point of time in the history of humanity, there came a place where men started to call on the name of the Lord. And really things kind of uh, switched up and changed somewhat because in the garden, the Bible describes that God would come down and he would have conversation with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. As a matter of fact, after their transgression, the Bible states that whenever they heard the voice of the Lord and God is crying out to Adam and saying, where art thou? If I can say it like this, God was calling out to humanity or calling on man that they went and hid themselves for they were ashamed. God was the initiator of calling out to man. But now we see something being turned around and reciprocated where God had been the one calling out to man now there was a man that was calling out to God there was a man that was calling upon the name of the Lord and so as it would seem in the early days of humanity with Cain and Adam and Eve and their failure there was a lot of ungodly seed you might say that that dominated the pages of history at that time and forevermore there was a lot of ungodliness that dominated the world but God raised up a godly seed through Seth who would have a son named Enos. And then, here's the thing, uh, they, without any tools, without any methods, looking from the standpoint of the day, without any techniques, without a grand music program, you hearing me? Without a grand music program, with, without a nice structure of a church, 
that you could enter into that has uh, functioning uh, facilities and, and heat and air, although some are cold and hot, heat and air in the building without any of that going on, amen, or without any teaching to tell them that they needed to talk to God that they needed to holler out unto the Lord. They needed, without any Wednesday night Bible studies on the essentiality of prayer, without any of that, somewhere along the way, men got a revelation from God himself about the need and the purpose of calling on the name of the Lord God, their creator, uh, uh, through, through, through all types of trouble and we don't know what but they found out that if you are in trouble because they, they folks let, here it is we're not the only ones that ever face trouble we're not the only generation this is not the only century that troubles ever come and encroached upon all the way back to the beginning to now there has been trouble Job, he spoke of his life that whenever he was born, he was a few days but full <laughs> of trouble. He said, as the sparks fly upward. So this life has a lot of trouble in it. So even them, amidst whatever type of trouble they had, no doubt dealing with a already disjointed family of Cain being ungodly and saying, I don't need the presence of the Lord. Adam and Eve, parents that said, you know what? We did wrong in what we did. We need to get back to the presence of the Lord. And here is a Seth and a Enos, some, uh, a child and a grandchild, then that with all of this that's going on, somehow erupted revelation from God. They understand, you know what? I think our only hope is, is if we call on the name of the Lord and the confidence that started all the way back then that is just as sure now is that he will answer you. He can oft times will intervene in your situation. But the only way he'll do this is if we call on the name of the Lord. The old saying used to say that some of our unanswered prayers are unprayed prayers. Amen? Some of our unanswered prayers are unprayed prayers. We never just talk to God about it. And so this starts a theme all through Scripture from the beginning till now, even through the very end. And that is this, people need to call on the name of the Lord. The word call means this, to cry out, to entreat, to call out, to, to, to beseech, to beg, to plead, to call out with all your heart. Mm -hmm. When's the last time you called on the Lord in such a way you called out with all of your heart? Uh huh. It's almost like a mode of desperation calling out with all of your heart. And so later, this idea of call, the word becomes a little developed as words do. They start with a certain meaning and people use that word different ways and so it brings other meanings to a word. And so call then took on another meaning through scripture. It meant to praise. It meant to worship. It meant to extol with your voice or exalt, to honor, to celebrate. And as time went on, the word call was flavored with a little bit more meaning throughout Scripture. It developed the meaning of to tell abroad, to call out and communicate with another person, to tell somebody else. Look at this, if you will, where it started with men that called on the name of the Lord, more or less by virtue of prayer, metamorphosed into people calling on God 
through praise and worship that metamorphosed into people calling out to their neighbors that didn't know God but telling them about that God that they prayed to and they worshiped and they honored. Amen. The first people in the Bible who were called God's people were called, were not called Jews. They were not called Christians. The first people, listen to me, that ever belonged to God were the people who called on the name of the Lord. Before we had these little titles and groups, well, that's Jew, that's Gentile, that's Samaritan, that's Christian. Before we had these little groups, the people that were accounted his were the people that called upon him and called upon his name. And so, folks, the origin and the root of everything that we did, do or should do today should begin with people calling on the name of the Lord. Really, Christianity today, its root is not that I attend church. Its root is not I pay tithes. That's all good and a part of it. Its root is not even that I lift hands and worship. But the real concrete root of Christianity is people that call on the name of the Lord. That's not just in distress, but in everyday life. Well, you, I'm talking this morning about prayer life. What identified God's people as God's people among all these other things, but first and primary was they were people that called on the name of the Lord. Someone say amen. amen. All right. And so and then as they did this, God responded. And as God responded, they called upon him in praise. And they called upon him with worship. And as God responded and they called upon him with praise and worship, then they began to go to other people and say, have you ever heard about a God who answers prayers? Have you ever heard about a God that could take a situation and turn it around? So all of this derived from them calling on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. They said, hey, we believe in a creator. We believe in a creator that has power. Amen. No, the creator is a God who actually hears you when you call on him. Amen. And he can, he can, and oftentimes will do something about our situation. First Chronicles, Brother Zach, we're on the fly today, so just deal with us. But First Chronicles 4 and verse number 10, he does a wonderful job. Amen. First Chronicles 1, uh, that you're, you're right, you're right. I'm just meaning First Chronicles, I didn't mean 1. I meant, yeah, never mind. 4 and 10, and Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. Enlarge my coast, that my hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil that it may not be grieved and God grant him that which he requested look at that that, that is the you, you know there have been a lot of people got in their houses the prayer of Jabez they got books about the prayer of Jabez they got, they got bed sheets about the prayer of Jabez they got toilet paper the prayer of Jabez the prayer of Jabez everywhere but it and everything and everybody wants to look at every detail uh, concerning what Jabez prayed for but I want to look at a very simple de detail. Jabez prayed. He asked, he called upon God, and out of everything that he asked concerning there, look at the first phrase and the last phrase. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, and God granted him that which he requested. 
in spite of all the details in between, in spite about bless me or let my coast be enlarged. Those are some pretty big things that he's asking about God. His hand be with him. Keep me from evil. A lot of details there. But mark out all the details. We could put different details in between the first phrase and the last phrase. But the importance are those two being there, especially number one, call upon God and God grant him that which he requested. Amen. What do you got this morning? Fill in the details between phase, phrase number one and the last phrase. But we got to call on him. We got to speak to him. We got to mention it to him. We got to use God as that first resort, not the last resort. We got to depend upon God, rather depend upon things or depend upon ourselves. Ask God. Ask God. You telling me you, 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 you feel comfortable with him creating everything? Job said taking the earth and setting it out on nothing and keeping all the laws of the universe, the orbits in span and all these take place. You entrust him with those things, but you want and trust him with your need folks let's call upon the name of the Lord let's do as the scripture says prove me now prove the Lord just ask him just ask him call upon the name of the Lord doesn't matter doesn't matter what your situation is throughout the Bible God continually says throughout scripture call on me this is, this is something we hear constantly in scripture call on me and I will answer you yeah, that is, that is some phraseology that's repeated over and over again. Call on me and I will answer you. What's he, what, he, what is he doing? God's asking you to ask him. Isn't that something? Have you, ever, have you ever seen somebody in need and you said, hey, if there's anything I can do, let me know. If you need any help, just say something. I've seen a lot of it here lately with uh, the Keenies and their fire just down from our house. And I've seen on their feed, man, all kinds of people, hey, if you need anything, let me know. If there's anything I do. You know what they're doing? They're asking them to ask them if they need anything. God does the same. God says, if you need anything, just let me know. If you need help somewhere, just say something. <laughs> what he's saying is, I'm not going to intrude, but if you ask, you can count on me. Call on me. Amen. So, so we, we you know, step outside of the, the concept of, uh, of what is defined as Christianity here in North America or religion or whatever religion that you may have been uh, reared in. Uh, what we learn today, and even if you've been brought up in a Pentecostal church, forget whatever that may be for a moment because there's some meat here, real meat here that plumb line, the benchmark, if you will, the pattern for relationship with God was calling on him and he would answer you. When you don't know what to do, I'll tell you what to do. Amen. When you're ready to throw up your hands, throw them in the towel, uh, throw them up to heaven. Amen. Throw them up to God and he will help you. That's really how religion began. From people calling on the name. So you're telling me how this whole Christianity thing, thing started is not going to be the same, the same means by which it continues? If we're denoted as his because we're people that call upon him, do we not keep that same standing as being his by continuing to call on him? 
Look, look at the patriarchs, if you will, for a moment, the Old Testament. The Bible tells you you don't have to go to these unless you want to, Brother Zach. I'm just kind of mentioning them. In Genesis 12, 7, the Bible speaks to us that Abraham, the father of the faithful, Scripture calls him, built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. In Genesis 26, 25, his son Isaac is spoken of as Isaac built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. In Genesis 35, 7, Isaac, one of his boys named Jacob, the Bible says Jacob built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. Listen to me, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Man, they're always mentioning Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're the patriarchs of old, man. The, 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 the fathers, if you will, the faithful Jews. Listen to me. What I'm talking about concerning them calling upon God, building an altar and praying, <coughs> excuse me, this was long before Moses ever gave the law from the Mount of God in Exodus 20. This is long before there was ever an Old Testament tabernacle that was in the wilderness. That priest marched into the holy place and the holies. This was before all of that. This was before they had pattern regulations on how they should approach, what sacrifices they should bring, when they should bring them, before there were any feasts, any new moons, before there were Sabbaths that they were ever spoken of to keep. Before all that, men and women of old, Revelation from God, an intuitive feeling just by being a creation of the maker, felt that they need and must and should call on the name of the Lord. What that tells me is I don't need a book of the law to tell me. And I don't even need a church service to underscore it. All I need is to tap in with the creator and just by being a part of his creation, there's something inside of me that says, I need to cry out to the one who made me. I need to cry out to the one who forged me. Amen. Call upon the Lord. And so when we see the first father of the faithful, we see Abraham, he goes down into Egypt and he goes down into there unwisely. The Bible says after he's had his little uh, upset and everything that took place in Egypt, that what does he do? He runs back to the altar where he what? First called on the name of the Lord. There's hope. If you ever grow cold with God or, or backslide from the Lord, what you must do is get back to that altar where you call. And you don't, have to, you don't have to backslide to get cold and indifferent. Amen. But if you get cold and indifferent sitting in the tabernacle, obeying the Scriptures the best as you can, perhaps what you need to do is get back to calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. Go back to where you first started. And so this calling upon the name of the Lord, it was a distinguishable mark of God's people everywhere. That's why Moses in his great sermon in the book of Deuteronomy said this, Deuteronomy 4 and 7, Brother Zach, Deuteronomy 4 and 7, he says, for what nation is there so great? Who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is? in all things that we call upon him for. Look at that, folks. This, this is a proclamation here of Moses. There, here is the nation of Israel. They, they, they have fled from Egyptian bondage. There are other nations around them, and they see that there are differences between who they are 
and who the other nations are between their God and what other nations were supposedly serving as other gods. And Moses says, what nation is there so great? What nation is there like our nation who has a God that's so near, nigh, close, willing to interact and intervene for them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon Him for. Someone say amen. In other words, he's saying, hey, there might be some nations that have better spears and better bows and better weapons, if you will, of warfare. They, they might even have some of them better numbers than what we have or live in better homes than what we got. But folks, they don't have a better God than we have whenever we call upon Him in whatever matter He does here. Psalms, I believe it is 135 or 136 when it speaks of the gods of the other nations. Here's their gods. Eyes they have, but they see not. Speaking of idols, eyes they have, but they see not. Ears they have, but they can't hear. Mouths they have, but they can't speak. Hands they have, but they can't interact with the affairs of men. <laughs> That's their God. Talk to something, ask for something, and he can't do anything about it. But our God, call upon him. And he has a mouth, and he'll speak. And if necessary, he'll get down where you are. And he'll get involved. These are, not just, these are not just features of him that's good for looks. They are operable. They're effective. Amen. No God, he says, like our God. Psalms 18 and verse 3, David says, I will call, Psalms 18, 3, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my... David was so confident. So I'm calling on the Lord. First aspect of the meaning of call. Look, who, should, who shall be praised? Second, second meaning aspect of the, word, of the word call. And he says, so shall I be saved. David wasn't beating around the book. David wasn't questioning. David was not a little, you know, I don't know if he will or he won't type of attitude. David was sure. David was confident. David was convinced. It seems to me like David had been down this road before. This wasn't his first rodeo. I've called on the God. Matter of fact, you look through the Psalms and you see constantly David's crying out to the Lord, crying out to the Lord. David, what's your problem, you big baby? He's not a big baby. He understood what it was all about to be a child of God. It's calling, 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 calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. It's not just when you need an answer. It's just call upon him because he's there to call upon. Because he's somebody... Some of the friends of my life, I don't just call upon them when I need something. I call upon them because I'm in relationship with them. I just like to hear their voice. I just like to have a conversation. I don't need anything today. Now, the point in time is whenever you get a call from somebody and you're like, okay, what do you need? <laughs> you have people like that in your life, do you? Join the crowd. <laughs> first, first thing that enters your mind, I wonder what they, you see that on your, I wonder what they need. Why? Because the only time they contact you is when they need something. I don't know what God's caller ID does in heaven, but I wonder what they need. <laughs> okay, let's go on from that. Go down to verse number six, Brother Zach, Psalms 18, verse six. David says, in my distress. All right. So David called on God all the time. 
But that didn't preclude him from calling upon God in his distress. He did. He said, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. You know what? I don't feel so bad about calling upon God in my distress whenever I call upon him whenever I'm not in distress. You know what? I don't have guilt and shame that's on me thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to God because I'm in problems. Last time he heard from me was when I was in problems. I don't feel bad about calling on God in my problems because I try to make it a habit just to call upon him regardless of what's going on in life. And so today it just happens to be a problem. I'll take it to God. Amen. I'll take it to God. He says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. And he heard my voice out of his temple. And my cry came before him even into his ears. So here he is. He's different from other gods. Not only does he speak, but he has ears and he can hear. Understand, these, these are features that are personified. Because God is a spirit, but it's letting us know in terms that we can understand. God hears and knows when we cry out to him. Psalms 55 and verse 16, Brother Zach. David says, as for me... 55, 16. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Here it is, the confidence of David. Just one more here. Psalms 86 and verse 5. For thou, Lord, art good. I love this. This is one of, I have several favorites, but this is one of the favorites. And ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. You need forgiveness this morning? Call upon God. Don't, don't wrap it up into the, don't wrap it up into your own self and, and just want him just to, you know, come. Talk to God about the ill in your life. Talk to God about the, the, the infraction that you have done or created in your life. Call upon him. He's ready to forgive, but he's asking you to ask him. Okay, I was lying. Go down to verse number seven, if you will. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for that will answer me. Well, someone to be comforted this morning that the prayers you pray and the times you spend in prayer is not vain time. It's not vain time. It's not a waste of time. Please don't you ever view talking to God or prayer as a waste of time, as though I need to get to something of a, a more of a concern in my day. I need to rush through this and get to something because there's greater, there is no greater concern than you having a conversation with God. He can answer you. He hears you. The very one that created you can do whatever needs to be done. Amen. In your life. Now, listen, it may not go along with what you want done, but it will be what should be done from the point of view of God's will and God's purpose for your life. See, we shut off sometimes friend and foe for that matter when they don't tell us what we want to hear. We go to people for advice and what we're really looking for is someone to get on the same horse we're riding. We're looking for agreement. We're not looking for advice. We're looking for someone to agree with what my opinion is. And if that goes against our opinion, then we... You know, kind of mark them off the list as anybody that we will uh, uh, associate with or even uh, that we'll go and bounce anything off of because we're really looking for somebody in agreement. And sometimes I believe as Christians, we do the same thing with God. God, as long as you endorse whatever I got as my opinion, as what I'm going to do, as long as you'll intervene in, in the direction that I want this to go, Thumbs up, God. We're playing on the same team, yo, bro. You know, but whenever God, whenever God says no, that's not what you need. That's not my will or purpose for your life. We're like, okay, God, next time your number comes up, 
<laughs> Go to voicemail, you know. We'll delete that later. We're ready to sever a relationship. He's just, like a, he's just like a faithful parent. He has your best interest in mind, but your best interest doesn't always make you comfortable. Best interest doesn't always make you comfortable. I couldn't tell you how many times I've been uncomfortable in my young years. Heat on the seat wasn't like, yeah, hey, they bring it on, Dad. No, it hurt. I cried. But he had my best interest in mind. Use that on your kid next time. I just got your best interest in mind, son. Nevertheless, Psalms 116 and verse 2. David says, because, look, he's speaking of God here. 116.2. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me. He speaks. Uh-huh. He answers. He speaks. He has ears. He hears. Look. Now look at this. Look at this. His ears. He's listening again. He has inclined his ear unto me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. David said, man, this started with me just calling upon God. But there's something that I've realized in this mode of consistently calling upon him. He hears me. He hears me. And so as long as I live, I got somebody that's going to listen to me. God is such a gentleman, folks. God is such a gentleman. You know, some people, whenever you're talking to them, they're already devising what they're going to say back to you, maybe even interrupt you before you're done. You know, you got your problem, and man, it's great. Well, and you're starting to talk to them. And while you're trying to spill out all the details of how horrid and bad it's been, they say, well, you know what you need to do? Don't you just love having that? Because at that moment, you don't need someone to tell you what you need to do. You just need someone to hear where you've been. David says, God's got a waiting ear. Man, I can go to a closet of prayer, and I can talk to God, and I can tell him, God, I was on the balcony when I should have been to war. And I looked down, and I seen that woman bathing, and I said, man, she looks good, God. I'm just telling you. And I even asked if I could have her come to my room. And I had, I had intimacy with that woman. God. Right away. God has a listening ear. Now, he's going to direct us in the direction we need to go. But he's also going to allow us just to spill what we need to spill. You won't find that with anybody other than God. And David says, as a result of this, he said, because I've been through a lot of that garbage in my life. As long as I live, he said, therefore, I'm going to call upon the Lord. You ever been in that place where nobody will listen to me? Nobody's a strong word. There's somebody that will. There's somebody that's will. And he's closer than what you even understand. Psalms 118 and verse 5. I called upon the Lord in distress. David again, the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. I like that. He said, God answered me and set me in a large place. Have you discovered anything yet, folks? God draws near to you when you call upon him. You may be in the worst trouble that you could ever imagine. And you may have messed up your life, maybe pretty horrible up to this point in time. I don't know. Uh, You may have been very fickle with your calling upon the Lord, a relationship with God. But the moment you call on him, he's right there. So faithful, he doesn't hold grudges. He don't hold grudges. He lets the past be the past. But the moment you call upon him, he is there. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he 
is near. The ploy of the adversary for all time, his strategy to deceive you and I has been this. Don't call upon God. Don't cry out to God. Be clever. Don't call upon God. I believe some of those in the crowd around Bartimaeus were being used of the adversary. Son of David, have mercy upon me, he's crying out. They say, be still. Don't cry. Why? Because the enemy even knows. If they call to him, he's going to show up. That's the reason why that thing that he chisels at called our prayer lives, he's going to do it because he knows anywhere someone calls to him, God's going to show up in their life. And so he's even filtered then into churches oftentimes. Just be clever. If you organize enough, God will be there. If you plan enough, God will be there. Just depend upon the talents and the abilities and the technology of the modern world and all of your best human efforts just grouped together. God will be there. Let me tell you, none of this is a substitute for calling. No, no organization that we have, no plan, no program, no music, none of that is a substitute for calling upon the name. He didn't say, play a special tune to me and I'll answer. That wasn't the decree. The decree wasn't, wasn't all these other things. If you have a media screen that can put lyrics on it, I'll be there. No, it was if you open up your mouth and let words come forth and you call upon me, I will be there folks the devil's not afraid he's listen he's not afraid of all amen whenever we lift up our hands and lift up our hearts and and just just go through the motions of all that and have a time of an hour and a half just here in church what he is afraid of is whenever when we're not in church we're talking to God and whenever we're not in this assembly we're still calling upon God that's what makes him afraid he's not worried about God just showing up for an hour and a half on Sunday morning Sunday night or Wednesday he's worried about God showing up in your everyday life he's afraid oh yes he is intimidated by that amen it's always been a sign of God's people that they call upon the Lord and that he answers but folks all the bets are off when we don't call on the Lord there's not a promise in the Bible that works if we don't call on the Lord amen it's the way that the Old Testament prophets operated. Remember Elijah and the, and the false prophets of Baal? Hmm? You remember that? He said, okay, we'll have a contest on Mount Carmel. Whatever God answers by fire, let him be God. And so he let them pick their sacrifice, the prophets of Baal. They built their altar. They put it on the sacrifice, and they began to call on their God. And they're calling from the morning, late to the evening. There is no answer. Elijah making a little fun of them to a certain degree. Perhaps your God is on a journey. Perhaps he's asleep. And they're calling upon the name of their God. But you know what happened? Elijah, he rebuilt the altar whenever they were finished. He did his sacrifice. He had the water. And he called on the name of the Lord and the powers in this. That God answered by fire. Regardless if it was by fire, wind, or whatever. The fact is, he called on his God, and his God answered. But you must call. 
Elijah couldn't have got the sacrifice together, repaired the altar, and put everything in place and just said, okay, let's just see what happens. No. He had to initiate something. He had to call. When he called, God showed up and God answered. Amen. It has been the story throughout ages. That has been the way things have went. Amen. David was even a little bit of a, a man that was ahead of his time. Uh, the Bible says in Psalms 4 and verse 3, but know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly. God has set apart them that are godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him, David said. Well, who's the godly that David's speaking of in these scriptures? Those that call on the name of the Lord. Those, that, those are those that are attributed as his. Even before there was the Jew, the Gentile, the Christian, all those little labels, those who called upon the name of the Lord. And so David said, you, you, you can do whatever you want to to me. You can fight against me. You can talk about me. You can persecute me. But when I call on my God, when I call on my God, you better look out because my God hears me when I call. So, so here's the ungodly. You know, who are the ungodly? If the godly are those that call upon the name, watch me here. If the godly are those that call upon the name of the Lord, who are among those that were the ungodly? Who were the evildoers? This is the very basic definition of evildoers. Those who don't call on the name of the Lord. Man, my time's getting away from me here today. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 and 7, Brother Zach. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because our iniquities God said there comes a time that the ungodly because they won't call on the Lord because they refrain from that will do a lot of things but the problem is this humbling themselves where they recognize God as Lord of their life and over their lives and when they don't do that they do not succumb or to the place of calling upon the name of the Lord. But David and he wants and Isaiah wants us to know, but that's not the way with the people of the living God. Psalms 50 and verse 15, David said, And I call and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Not only does he want us to call upon him in the first definition of the word call, but call on him with that praise. God wants fresh praise and worship from our lives and he gets that when we call upon him in our lives <clears throat> have you ever noticed that bishop has said this for years if a person starts to fall away from the lord many times you can go to a very strategic place in their life and it's where they start to forget to call upon the name of the lord that the very root and seabed of all of that begins to happen they begin because see what happens when we start to refrain from calling upon god we're becoming the very definition of the ungodly. It's those who do not call upon the name of the Lord. 
And so there, there seems sometimes more trouble enters our life and wanting to see, will they do it now? We feel that other pressure. Will they, you know, if they won't just by their own accord, will some distress or situation provoke them to call upon me? Amen. Let me tell you, trouble many times is one of God's best servants. Not all, tr- sometimes God has the, all times God has the ability to use trouble as a tool in his toolbox. Amen. As a tool in his toolbox. What that does, see what that does for me as a Christian or as a human being, whenever that comes, whenever trouble enters my life, you know what comes crystal clear? I need something, someone beyond me. It gets it. It makes life real, real in the moment of trouble. That Paul McGee can't do this. I don't have enough finances to take care of this. I don't have the ability to maneuver the healing. There's not a doctor. Does someone hear me right now? There's not a doctor that has enough degrees or know-how to fix this. You know what that tells me in that moment? I need something bigger than me and bigger than anybody that is like me, a part of the thread of humanity. I need a higher power. Mm-hmm. I need a higher power. Amen. So here, listen to me. Well, you know, Pastor, you're talking about that, and, you know, I'm feeling like maybe I may have backed up from this call on the name of the Lord stuff. I think maybe... I've, I've grown a little slack in that. Let me give you the Bible's definition of revival in Psalms 80 and verse 18. Psalms 80 and verse 18. He says, so will not we go back from thee? He says, quicken us, and we will call upon thy. He said, we went back. We need a quickening. And to get back to calling upon the name of the Lord. If we're not calling upon the name of the Lord, I don't care how it appears, it's not revival. It's not revival. No matter what else we are doing, revival happens when we get sick of the status quo and we call on the name of the Lord. Folks, the Holy Spirit, as sometimes it's spoken in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of prayer. Yeah, that's the reason why when men know not what they ought to pray, the Spirit makes intercession for you. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is a spirit of prayer. And we have Him continually in our hearts if we've been born again of the water and the Spirit. And we should call upon the name of the Lord. And listen, prayer is better caught than it is taught. Amen. Revival is the same. You got to catch it. All of it is the same. We have to call upon the name of the Lord. Jeremiah 29 and verse number 11. The Bible says, for I know, 29 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me. I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me 
when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Then shall ye call upon me. Ye shall go praying to me. I will hearken unto you. Ye shall seek me. You will find me. And ye shall search for me with all of your heart. Just simply calling on the name of the Lord. Now, folks, I, I, I realize today time is getting away. But you know, no, it's no this afternoon. I want to see you, so I'm just going. The church was born in a prayer meeting. The church was born in a prayer meeting. Um, that days, the days leading up to Pentecost were prayerful days. Prayer that was taking place in an upper room. And so it was born in a prayer meeting. And because God will never change, and because God will never change, what birthed his church is what will sustain his church. What birthed his church will sustain his church. Amen. <laughs> Would it bother anybody to say that the very thing that birthed the church is maybe one of the things that in worsen attendance in most churches? Prayer meeting? The very thing that brought this thing known as the church into existence on the day of Pentecost? Is that just somehow affect our minds maybe the importance of how really it is we have people today and sometimes even parents and the, the cry is this I tell you what they're getting upset because they won't they're not allowing prayers in the schools but they never bring their kids to prayer meeting at the church <laughs> someone say amen you know, they didn't, have prayers, they didn't have prayer in the first century in the schools of Rome either. But the church called on the name of the Lord. <clears throat> uh, political figures in the first century, let me tell you, they were pretty corrupt. Political figures, pretty corrupt. Probably more than what you can imagine what we got going on today. But Paul's not wringing his hands over the matter and getting worried. The church just starts calling on the name. Just starts calling upon the name of the Lord. Here's the fact, and I, I really, I'll be mindful. Sometimes we blame external situations for our problems. Mm -hmm. We blame external situations for our problems because we're trying to divert the attention from what the real problem is. Amen. There is no worry about the world in the pages of New Testament Scripture. The church was commissioned to change the world. You're the salt. You're the light. These are the men that turned their world upside down. But it wasn't prayerless men or prayerless women. If the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's good for nothing and should be trampled under the feet of men according to the Scripture. Amen. If you'll stand with me this morning. I could go on. So this is one of those times I'm not finished. I'm just quitting. And that doesn't mean I'll come back to this next Sunday either. 
Hallelujah. We bow our heads in this place. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.